Welcome to Noah's Window. I'm Mary Alice Hoover, and I hope whatever time of day you're watching or listening, you're having a good day and God is blessing in your life. <clears throat> I wanted to share a couple of thoughts with you this morning. We've been talking about Abraham and Sarah, and yesterday we talked a little bit about Lot. And um, as Mark comes back from this pastor's conference in the first week of this new series, he's going to be talking more about Lot next week, so we'll be looking forward to that. But today I want to talk just briefly about intercessory prayer, praying on someone else's behalf. You know, this is one of the things that God has called us to do. But let's talk about where that fits into the story way back in Abraham's day. Um, keep in mind, this is long before Moses and the law. This is this time frame back in Genesis is very early. And um, even as early as Abraham's day, we're taught about intercessory prayer. So let's talk a little bit about the situation as we get to uh, chapter 18 of Genesis. We talked a little bit about this a couple of days ago when, when um, God comes to Abraham the final time to give him a timeline for the birth of Isaac. But in that same chapter, we have a situation where Abraham is pleading with God on Lot's behalf. But let's talk about Lot's mess and how he got in it. A little bit about that. Lot, remember we said yesterday, Lot is Abram's nephew. Very beloved nephew, Lot's father had died many years before, and Abram, it would seem, is functioning somewhat as his father. Uh, Lot has followed after Abram and been the recipient of many blessings because he was there with Abram when God blessed Abram. And so, uh, by extension, God blessed Lot as well. And in spite of all God's blessings, Lot was discontent. And uh, when there were some disputes over possessions and flocks and herds and herdsmen, he went to Abram, and Abram, as we talked about yesterday, uh, diffused the conflict and just said, there's no reason for us to be in conflict. We're in, uh, we're close relatives, so let's just find a way to resolve this and separate ourselves so that we can not have the conflict. So um, when Lot decided which direction he was going to go, he picked the direction towards Sodom and Gomorrah, <clears throat> which apparently was known even at that time as being a very sinful place. But um, let's talk a little bit. I just wanted to bring you into a little thought that came to me as I was uh, looking at this story over and over again. Um, when we were in Israel, let me share this with you a little bit. When we were in Israel, it was a glimpse for me to learn more about how people live there and to give a, um, a, a 3D image and uh, to see, feel, taste, and smell um, the real place and uh, to get to know the people there and how they live. And uh, let me just share with you, this is an interesting uh, day. There was, um, I was trying to think, it was the, might have been the last day we were there. Uh, they really kind of took us from border to border. But on this particular day, they had taken us on a long bus ride all the way down south to the Egyptian border, uh, where there's a lot of violence happening. Um, it was very, very hot. We're in the desert down there. Um, it, it was, um, it was um, I don't want to say scary, but... Um, let's say there was a sense of being on alert, maybe a little adrenaline rush because where we were down there at the border, they were showing us places where the mortars had hit. And we were surrounded by guards with um, machine guns. And um, th there was a sense that we could be in imminent danger. They told us if we heard the alarms, we would have 15 seconds to get to cover. And they showed us where that was. So it was a very... Um, exciting but stressful morning and we spent a lot of time outside in the heat and uh, seeing these sights which I'll never forget and immediately after that uh, morning as we got to lunchtime they drove us a little ways north of there to um, as they say Beersheba and my growing up days we called it Beersheba 
that is Beersheba. And so in Beersheba there, which is a, a fascinating place, if you ever get a chance to go there, it's actually second only to Tel Aviv and, and uh, technical advances. And there's so many really wonderful things there. But uh, after a long morning in the heat, what we were really looking for was um, a cool place to sit down and enjoy a meal. So they took us to a nice restaurant there in Beersheba and fed us uh, wonderful food. Um, uh, as, this is another side point, but as I'm rambling, as you know, Mark and I are, are pretty much on uh, plant food. And so one of the things about that part of the world is there is a lot of yummy plants to eat and they served it in abundance. So anyway, we had this wonderful meal in Beersheba. But immediately after that meal, where we have now um, enjoyed a very um, exciting but stressful morning, now had a wonderful meal, now they want to take us to a museum. Now this museum was very fascinating. It had all kinds of things. It had a room that just showed all of the uh, Nobel Prize recipients that were of the uh, Israeli race and and all the things that they'd done. It, it was it was very fascinating. They showed us a lot of the scientific discoveries that were made by Jews. You know, just as, and this goes back to what we've been talking about in Abraham, one of the promises God made to Abraham is that all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. There are multiple layers of meaning in that, but one of those is very real in that Jews have contributed so many wonderful inventions and discoveries to the world that have blessed us and, and um, made our lives better. But anyway, so we're in this museum and there we're being led through the different um, uh, places that you can see different things. Uh, so anyway, they took us to one room and they taught, talked to us about the Bedouins. Now, the reason I'm tying back to this is because Abram and Lot were Bedouins. We don't know for sure what kind of a dwelling they lived in in Ur of the Chaldees, but we do know once they left there, once God took them out of Ur of the Chaldees, they lived in tents. That was how they traveled. That was how they lived. And when they got to Canaan, they were still living in tents. Now, the reason I bring that up is in this Bedouin display in the museum, that's the word I was looking for, display. In the display of the Bedouins, in this museum. Um, it was amazing. And one of the ladies, they had to come in and talk about it, a young woman in her early 20s, and she came from Bedouin. So even outlying those, that area in Beersheba, there are Bedouins who still live in tents. Now, they're not like the tents. If I don't know what your point of reference is, but when I was a kid, we had a tent that we bought down at uh, Ward's, and it you know had a few poles and a zipper window and that kind of thing. These aren't the kind of tents that they live in. But in this display, it was a beautiful, large room, and it was full of colorful cushions and tables that were arranged on the floor, and there were, you know, for display, cups and things. And, and um, I remember at that point in the afternoon, I was just about to nod off anyway, and I kept looking at those Bedouin cushions and wondering if I looked around, if I could slip off from our group after they walked down the hall and see if I couldn't just get on those cushions in that Bedouin display because they were looking so good to me. But I'll never forget that day. But it was such a revelation of how Bedouins uh, live. It's not at all like pitching a little tent. It's, it's really quite elaborate. So anyway, all that to say, Abram and Lot have been living in tents. If you watch the narrative in these few chapters, you'll watch a, a transition that takes place because Lot had his tents just like Abram did. But once Lot departed from Abram, the passage that we talked about yesterday, and now he's really living in Sodom. If you read the, the, the chapter that talks about the judgment, at this point he's not living in a tent anymore. He's not living out in the countryside. He's living in the city in a house. So um, whatever the considerations were that drew Lot that direction, apparently part of it was to upgrade his living situation. So um, that was part of it. Okay, so Lot. 
lot in between where we yesterday we talked about the conflict where Abram said let's go our different ways and lot um, what we're reading in chapter 18 which is the judgment that's about to happen there's been at least 10 years that have passed and in the midst of all that there was an episode that happened where uh, Sodom and Gomorrah were attacked by a multitude of other kings and and uh, they were ravaged and they took away their possessions they took away their families and because Lot was among them Abraham went to the rescue and he did rescue them and I hope you'll go back and read that passage he rescued them now you would think Lot having nearly lost everything because remember he's quite wealthy at this point and and he has a family at this point he nearly lost everything you would think he would have learned his lesson but no he went back to it so we know it's years later when this judgment comes to pass and when we see him not only just outside the city but living in the city and in a house so given that in this chapter in chapter 18 of Genesis what I want you to focus on this morning what I want us to focus on because I need this to you is Abraham as he intercedes because God lets Abraham know that that he's coming down to uh, check on this situation of course God knows all things but I think it's interesting if you look if you look at the passage um, the Bible says I've heard a great outcry this is I'm reading this in verse 20 I've heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant I'm going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I've heard. If not, I want to know. Now, just one quick point to make here. Wherever there is sin, there is pain. Wherever there is sin, there are victims. And, and you know, Satan wants us to believe that there are victimless sins, that there are painless sins, that absolutely, he wants to tell us that sins are all for our enjoyment and who should, you know, uh, cause us to not enjoy what we want to enjoy. But the truth of the matter is, um, sin always brings pain, and that is the, the case here. And we know from the abuse that was taking place there that there was much pain, and there were people crying out to God, and God is answering that outcry. So God's going down to, uh, he tells Abram, I'm about to bring judgment. And, and Abram knows what's going on, and, and of course he knows that Lot's now moved in there, and he's concerned for a lot. And so Abram begins his intercessory prayer. Now, we're not going to read the whole passage today, but I hope you'll go read that. Because Abram is um, with a sincere heart pleading with God to spare the city um, for Lot's sake, really, and or for the sake of anyone there who, who might still be righteous. And so I, I would encourage you to read that because interceding is something that's very dear to God's heart. And, and I will say this, God did answer Abram's prayer, he didn't spare the city, but he spared Lot. So I know this, I know that all of us have had someone in our life that we have seen heading the wrong direction, going down the wrong path, ignoring the warnings, plowing through, um, bringing pain in their life and in the life of those that love them. We all have someone in our life, maybe multiple people in our life that we, our heart is broken because we see where they're headed. And so we find ourselves on our knees praying for our prodigals, those that we love that are headed the wrong direction. And I know even just this morning, I was reading a prayer request from a woman who's just heartbroken about a son who's facing uh, severe health issues, great health threat, and yet he doesn't know the Lord and he's not inclined to listen. And so as, as a heart from one moment to another, or one parent, whatever your situation is, whether it's your child or your niece or your nephew or your sister or your parent, whoever it is that's in your heart and in your life 
that you're concerned for, I want to encourage you in the intercessory prayer that you, just to know this, even if they won't listen to you about God, God will listen to you about them. So I hope that'll encourage your heart this morning. Keep on praying. You know, Abraham didn't just throw out one little Hail Mary, see if he could get Lot off the hook. He pleaded with God and he begged for mercy. And um, here's the thing. I think God has a, I know God, God um, has a special place for intercession. Here's the thing. He, we're commanded in 1 Timothy chapter 2, we're commanded to intercede for everyone. Let that sink in for just a minute. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, we're commanded to intercede for everyone. Prayer is so important. Interceding for Here's the thing. Those people we're talking about, they're not, in many cases, they're not praying. So we're praying on their behalf. But here's the gold standard. Here's the ultimate example. And, and we find ourselves once again back in the book of Hebrews. <clears throat> but I want to bring this to you. In the book of Hebrews, this time we're in chapter 7. <clears throat> and actually chapter 7 is talking about an exchange that Abraham had with Melchizedek. Now again, the book of Hebrews is written to the Jews. So you'll see a lot of things in here that will speak to Jewish traditions, even to this day, actually. But uh, in the Jewish world, in the Old Testament, and in God's economy, there are, are at least three different positions that it's important to kind of understand. Uh, one would be a prophet. And throughout the Bible, you'll see that a prophet represents God to the people. So God gives the prophet a message and the prophet gives that message to the people. The second office that we need to be familiar with is the office of the priest. The priest would always represent the people to God. So the priest would take the sacrifice, go before God and represent the people to God. And then the third would be a king, which is kind of self-explanatory. But uh, in the in the chapter 7 of, of the book of Hebrews, we're talking about a priest, and that would be Melchizedek. Now, that's a great discussion all by itself. But in the midst of this passage talking about Melchizedek, I want to jump in in verse 25. <clears throat> and uh, let's back up to 24 so you get a little more context here. Because in verse 24 it says, But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. So here we're told Jesus is uh, a priest. By the way, Jesus fulfills all three offices. He's a priest, he's a prophet, and he is the king. But let's go on from here. Okay, backing up to 24 again. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. Here's the verse, the sentence I especially want you to see or hear. He, this is Jesus, lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Wait, who is there? Remember, those pronouns can be tricky. Uh, to intercede with God on their behalf. Who's there? Back up. Those who come to God through Him. So Jesus, our high priest, is before God interceding for us. In fact, if you go back to the book of John, there's that beautiful prayer that Jesus prays while He's still here on the earth. And He prays for us. He's interceding for us. So just as Jesus intercedes for us, He commands us to intercede for others. And so that's a challenge that we have. And I would encourage you, those of you who are, are praying for that prodigal and you don't seem to see any any progress, any change, any results, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep bringing their name before the Lord. Um, I, I, um, I have specific things I pray for those people in my life. One of them is for God to bring 
people into their world that are, are, are going to speak into their life in a way that only they can, that maybe they won't hear from me, but they would hear from other people. There's so many things. You know, here's the thing. God has so much wisdom. He tells us in the Old Testament that He has me- um, mechanics. He has a mechanism. He's strategizing to bring the rebel home. So let's bring their name before the Lord and intercede on their behalf that they will come to know Him or get their life back in line with Him. And let's just take that challenge from the Lord seriously to continue to intercede and not give up, but to continue to pray for those we love uh, who are maybe running from God or away from God. God is still able to bring them back into the fold. So I hope that will encourage your heart today wherever you are. And uh, before I lead in prayer, I just want to say, if you're that rebel and you happen to be tuning in today, please know that God loves you and God is pursuing you with His love. And those people that are in your life, maybe you know about them that are praying for you. I just pray that today will be the day that you will have the courage to respond to that call from God, that you will answer His call into your life to to turn your face toward God and not away from Him. And uh, God is waiting with open arms, and I pray that will be the case for you today. Let's have a word of prayer before we say goodbye. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word. And I thank you, Father, for all the many answered prayers that we know of, of the prodigals that have come back to you, of those that seemed that, that they would never listen, and yet the, the message did finally get through. Thank you for hearing, for always hearing when we pray. Thank you, Father, that you love these people that we're concerned about. You love them even more than we do, and you know more about them. You know more of their situation, and you have so much power to work in circumstances and relationships in their lives. And pray that you will do that. For each person that's listening or watching today, and they have someone on their heart and mind, I, I too add my prayer to theirs. <clears throat> we know your heart's broken with us. Please draw them in to your love and to the shadow of your care. Please bring them back, Father. Help us to be faithful as we pray. And Father, there's so many we don't know that are hurting. Just like the victims we talk about today, there's so many crying out because they've been harmed by Satan and they're in a very painful and confused place. Father, help them to know you, to know your love. We're gonna trust you because we know you're all powerful and you're all loving and you're going to defeat the devil and we're so looking forward to the day we see that happen not only in our individual lives but for this whole world thank you father for who you are for your great love for us please guide us and lead us even today that we might honor and glorify you and, and for the privilege of being your servant as we're your child as well and we thank you for this pray everything that we say and do today would honor you and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, please be encouraged today to continue to pray, continue to intercede, because God loves those people that we love even more than we do, and He's hearing our prayer. God bless you. We'll look forward to seeing you next time on Noah's Window. See you next time.